Thanks for coming in, Anud. Episode 54. Thank you. You ready? Thanks for having me. Seatbelts on? Yep. I can't believe you flew planes, <laughs> by the way. That's the craziest thing ever. We're going to get into that. <laughs> Have a sip of your chamomile. Did we start? We did start, yeah. <laughs> Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to the Mo Show podcast, episode 54. Um, I have Anoud Al-Hijalan, she's an entrepreneur, musician, creative director. She's behind a company called Dream Rock. The nature of their work is uh, is called immersive musical theater. Is that correct? Yeah, that's one of the things we do. One of the things. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into that in much more detail. I really want to know a lot about it. They do actually something really cool. They create content for children in Arabic. Why is that pretty cool? You, you, you might ask. Because all the content that's out there for children today is in English. Yeah. And then they wonder why our kids all speak English. You know, why aren't you speaking your own language? So you kind of fit uh, a gap in the market that um, that many parents complain about today. Yeah. Um, they produce their music and production. Uh, they basically curate the whole thing. Anud, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Wallahi, it's uh, it's my pleasure. How's that intro? Is that all right? Good. Okay. Good, yeah. <laughs> uh, so immersive musical theater. Uh, just give me the give me the brief on that, please. Okay. So an immersive theater, unlike a traditional theater where you just sit and you know you're watching a play, you actually become part of the whole you know the whole experience, experience. and it's not simply an experience. It's actually a theatrical experience. So. Um, so as a child, you'd walk into the room and then it could start off by, let's say, a show that you'd watch, but then you'd, at least in our show, uh, the child would be surprised that they're called into the show. So they're, they're asked to be part of the show as like, so every child's a hero, basically. And um, um, yeah, and, and actually the idea came to me uh, in 2013. I was in New York and my sister introduced me to this uh, play called Sleep No More. It's a story of Macbeth. Been there. Yeah, you know it. Crazy. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So I I was like, I fell in love. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So good. It's unbelievable, yeah. right? And uh, and it was, of course, like, uh, it was a story of Macbeth, and it was just unbelievable. So ever since, I mean, I've had that in mind. And, I mean, not much has done, um, not much was done, um, you know, similar to that in, in terms of, like, well, anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. Not just for children, for adults, either. So, um so yeah, so that kind of like, you know, that I had that idea since then. But then, um, and I've also always loved musicals in general. So growing up, um, you know, I'd always go to Broadway. I've seen every musical there is. Like, I love them. Like, Oliver Twist, my yes. favorite <laughs> as a child. And I'm, yeah. Grease. I'm, I'm thinking of some of the ones that Mamma Mia, Grease, Grease they, they come uh, to mind. Yeah, and uh, Blood Brothers, yeah. Phantom of the Opera, of course, and Les Miserables. Wick, Wicked has Wicked. become a musical in London. Yes. Big, big yeah. industry plays. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And they're all amazing. And and I feel like every time I you know watch a musical, I feel like so alive. And, um, and I feel like, you know, I just wish that we had more of that here. So, uh, I mean, regardless of whether it's immersive or not, I think we need more musicals mm -hmm. and we need that, you know, part of to, we need that to be part of our culture and part of our children's culture. Yeah. Yeah. So so you saw that um, it's it's non-existent pretty much. Yeah. And you wanted to address that in yeah. in starting Azuz and Jude. Exactly. Well, actually, Azuz and Jude has a different story. 
Uh, so the theater, we just started with that now. But Azuz and Jude, the reason we started it is because um, I guess just like, you know, you and, you know, every other parent here mm. is having issues with Arabic and with finding content in Arabic. So my son was one at the time and I was going on YouTube and trying to find music in Arabic for children and I couldn't find anything. And whatever was available wasn't interesting enough to him because he's used to like the amazing high quality content, you know, like the English content. And then when you show him what's on in Arabic, they lose interest. So I, you know, I, I just saw a gap in the market and also like nursery rhymes. There aren't that many nursery rhymes in Arabic for children. Um, so I started off by uh, writing my own song, which is like Arabic, uh, it was a phonic song in Arabic um, and was a very basic uh, graphic design. And then, um, and then I introduced the idea to my friend Sara Shaman because my partner now. And then we decided, you know, let's take it a step further and do like, you know, nursery rhymes like wheels on the bus and, you know. In Arabic. In Arabic. Amazing. So we started with that and we did like, it was very, very important to me to have high quality animation. So 3D animation. I didn't want anything, you know, like, yeah, yeah it had it's to be you know, the best or nothing. Captivating. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we started with that. And then uh, we started also writing our own music. So I've always loved writing music. I mean, I've. Uh, for as long as I know, I, I play the piano and I sing and I write my own music, but it was all—it's always been in English. Yeah. So I took that and I kind of, you know, it was a challenge to me. Um, I started writing, you know, music for children in Arabic, and then so yeah, so we started writing our own songs, which is we have like uh, a back to school song, we have an Saudi song, we have a few songs that we've written from scratch, Harakat, which actually I'm very proud of because it has like millions of views. And it's like one of our originals. So you wrote that out, huh? Yeah. The music notes and all. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. some serious production. Yes. It's good that you, you know, you 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 leveraged on your talents from mm -hmm. years gone by and learning the piano and and singing. Yeah. And incorporated that in something completely unfamiliar to you. Yeah. And now we have content uh, in Arabic on YouTube for kids to watch, which um, which really is like it, it drew me in because. Like in, in leading up to this episode, I want to see what else is out there in Arabic. Mm. And it was a bit underwhelming, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I love that, uh, you know, you filled the gap. And um, and, and now it, we don't have to be so reliant on not just the English, on the English language. Yeah. Um, because let's admit, I mean, YouTube is uh, a, an unpaid babysitter on some level yeah. for, for our kids. Yeah. <laughs> have you picked up on the opportunities across Saudi with uh, with what's happening? You know, you look at Vision 2030, there's a lot happening in, in, in culture, yeah. in, uh, in music, in arts and dance. Yeah. Has any opportunities come your way from, from that? Okay, so COVID obviously put a damper on some things. But um, now uh, we've been seeing like opportunities left, right and center and people, I mean, I'm so grateful that they're loving what we do. So um, we got um, in Riyadh uh, season, we were actually part of the Riyadh Toy Festival. We did a show for 10 days, uh, Azuz and Jude show, our music, our mascots. So we actually have our own mascots that we created. And uh, we have our own choreography and kids loved it. So I'm really proud of that. In and the boulevard, in the action? Uh, no, act in Riyadh Front. Riyadh Front, so okay, yeah, yeah. We were also in the boulevard actually. Okay. But Riyadh Front is where we had the 10 day show. The boulevard, we did a parade with mm -hmm. our characters. And then um, we had like, um, there was an, um, another um, event in Riyadh called Made in Saudi. We also did the booth, like that we had the children's booth. Mm -hmm. And we also had like a section where we had like our music. And, and I was so, I wasn't there actually, I couldn't attend the event. But when I saw the videos, I was so proud because 
the children were actually singing to our music and they were going crazy. No way. Yeah, so I just love that. <laughs> That's you know? really cool. Yeah, so uh, just, just you know, after like working so hard and then you see like yeah. results, yeah. It's, it feels really good. It's nice to interact with characters who you build a relationship on a screen yeah and 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 actually see them in real life yeah so so it's it, it becomes all of a sudden three-dimensional as opposed exactly. to something that's just on screen you get to, it's like it's like the first time you, you see mickey mouse in disneyland it's yeah like, oh my god it's mickey mouse yeah so it i can see why they went crazy and started yeah. singing their songs i mean uh Honestly, even as a teenager, I don't know if you remember, but when I used to go to Disney, I used to go crazy <laughs> as a teenager, yeah. loving those like the mascots. I I go crazy <laughs> when I was there three four years ago before really? COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I can see myself going yeah, crazy. It does something to you. It does. <laughs> yeah. It does. And and the characters actually, Azuz and Jude. Azuz is actually my son's name, and Jude is my partner Sara's okay. daughter's name. So that's how yeah. That, so that came up. so they're very local and they're like Saudi characters and. We wanted them to like feel familiar, you know, to children here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. You mentioned piano and music. This is something that what your, your parents uh, made sure that you learned the skill from a younger age. Is <laughs> yeah. that when you start? So my mom introduced us all to piano from a young age. And uh, and then my father uh, made sure that we took it like all the way, basically. Mm -hmm. So we had to do those piano exams. So um, I don't know if you've heard of the Associated Royal School of Music. Associated Border Royal School School I, of Music. I haven't. I stopped playing piano after grade one. Oh really? Yeah. So so you, oh grade one as in like the pia the music grade one. Yeah, mu no music grade one. Oh, so you you did. I did. You, I you did. did I, maybe I failed two <laughs> or I played a bit bit of yeah. two. This is in school in England, but but I definitely I don't know it well enough to know what you just yeah. said. So it's basically similar to I think to what you've done. If okay. You've done grade one, so they have up to eight grades. Okay. Um, I did up to grade five or six. I don't remember exactly. Uh, it's theory, theoretical, and uh, music. So so yeah. So he made sure that we you know took it like seriously, mm -hmm. and um, and then ever since then, I mean, all three of us, my brother, my sister, and I all play the piano, and and it's just been a very good base for me to write music as well. Because I mean, I, I was classically trained, but uh, but it helps me write music, like because I know all the chords, and and for me it's just like a, I mean I love music and I love the piano. It's like a safety net, or you know whenever having having a long day, I just want to wind down. I just like yeah. sit there and play some notes. I write my own music, so it's always been a big part of my life. And uh, also when I worked uh, in London, um, I worked at a law firm. I used to so you know long hours would you know probably be done by six or seven. But then instead of going home, I take a train and go to the studio and then, and then like write music until like 11 at night. So I do that. You yeah. were really, uh, yani, this was a big part of your life, huh? Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, I did it for myself. Like I never really released like much of the music. Mm. I may have one actually that is on YouTube, but, uh, but it was just for me. It's just something I love to do. Mm -hmm. And it just made me feel alive you know mm. send us that link we'll put it in the description box in this episode <laughs> i'm sure people would want to hear okay. it <laughs> yeah you know they say piano is uh, is a great instrument to learn because it, it pretty much goes with every other instrument like it's the it's the base a yeah. you know you learn piano you, you 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 understand the the lingo or the jargon of the music world yeah and and it, it it goes it meshes with almost every other instrument yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I was uh, I was forced to to play it and uh, and I got to grade one <laughs> uh, making it onto Saudi Airlines how did they approach you did you approach them how did that happen so so my partner Sada she's in charge of like all of that stuff uh, that's know, really like, cool I love the fact that you guys made it on the in-flight entertainment it actually happened like very easily I mean mm. it just um, 
I mean, I don't remember the details. Again, Casada was involved with that, but they just loved what they did. What we did, mm. we, they loved our music, and then they just, um, you know, suggested that they put it on for, you know, as part of the kids' entertainment. It's perfect. They yeah, need, they need it. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm so happy because so my cousin uh, came over to Jeddah the other day from Riyadh, and she said that she was sitting and she saw some children watching Aziz and Jude. No and she way! Filmed it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah, so I'm proud of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. With it. How many uh, episodes have you guys done so far? Uh, I'm trying to. I, I don't know, like twenty something. Oh, oh uh, about twenty. Okay. Yeah, over twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the exact number, but twenty. So something. I stalked your page and uh, I scrolled to the right to the about, and I scrolled all the way down because I'm YouTube literate now, and I want to see how many <laughs> hits did you get in total. Mm-hmm. Do you know you're close to fifteen million? Yeah, yeah. I, it's I know. an accomplishment. Yeah, th- and alhamdulillah, the thing is, um, I'm proud of that because we don't even use advertising, so we're not like it's basically organically grown. Okay. So, uh, so really happy about that. And and I think it just, um, I think uh, COVID actually helped us in that sense because schools were listening to our music. You know, when everything was online, the schools actually were, you know, putting the music mm-hmm. on for the kids. So, it's, and the teachers love our music because. Um, if you noticed, our songs don't have don't carry an accent, so it's not like you know, like a lot of the songs that you hear, like that are on YouTube, it's Egyptian like Egyptian or, yeah. or Syrian yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know, or, or Lebanese. Yeah. But our music is like you know, I guess you could say fusha or lahja beza. Yes, yeah. So it works for everyone. It works all across the board, and mm. it works in different countries. So we have like a lot of viewers from like North Africa, you know, from different parts of the Arab world, mm. even in Europe, like Arabs in Europe. So that's yeah. funny you mentioned that. I never stopped to think that. Um, is the translation of fusha colloqu- colloquial? I'm not sure. Fusha, or just let's that, say traditional I, I guess uh, by the book Arabic. Yeah, I think that's more closer um, to that. Almost like, you know, the Queen's English, if yeah, you will. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't have an accent. That that type of Arabic, mm. your Emirati will understand it, your Saudi will understand it, your Egyptian, your Jordanian, all the way as far west to maybe Morocco, yeah, would they understand would understand it. it. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. 100%. But then we all have our local dialect that, you know, we, we will not understand what a Moroccan says. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when I lived in Dubai for a few years, most of the words Emirati friends would say I wouldn't understand. But mm. when it's Fusha, you do understand. Everyone that. understands. Yeah. And I guess that's what they use like as an official language, you know, like interviews and in books and um, and cartoons. There's actually one thing that annoys me about Arabic cartoons. Um, so if you listen to Arabic cartoons, of course, it's all in fusha. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the way that, you know, um, they speak in a very adult manner. Like, you know, when they do the voiceovers, they speak in a very adult manner and it's and very quickly. So and they use a lot of words. They just like, um, you know, bring in... It's like jam up, they jam up all the words in there. And I feel like this is probably one of the reasons that a lot of our kids don't like to watch cartoons in Arabic. Because I was really like, you know, I was watching the English and the Arabic and comparing the two. And then I noticed that when we started doing voiceovers, like for our play, for our musical theater, uh, we had to do some voiceovers because our characters, uh, the mascots don't speak, obviously. So I made sure that the voiceover is done in a much more like child-friendly manner. So that's something I think that's interesting. You actually just made me realize that you're right. It, it, it cartoons are in in Fusha Arabic, traditional yeah. Arabic. You know what I just thought of? Mm. Captain Majid. Yeah, exactly. They speak. They speak corporate Arabic. Yeah. But it's not meant to be listened to by corporate people. Exactly, it's a children's show. Exactly. I wonder why that is though. Like I never stopped to think about mm. that. 
Yeah. I want maybe maybe to develop their Arabic uh, yeah. at a younger age so that you know you speak the, the the proper way growing up. You learn you know the blueprints yeah. uh, from a younger age so that it's خلاص, it's embedded in your mind. I, I have yeah, no maybe, idea. But maybe. It's, but it's not friendly enough. It's, you want it to be their age. Exactly, and especially for like younger kids, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I think that they just lose interest after yeah. a while. Like when you listen to that, yeah. you know, when it's so quick and like. And also some of it is like a pure translation from English yeah, to Arabic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. that's the other issue. I'm like recalling some of the words from Captain Majid, like they did words like uh, like uh, Hassanan or Ayuha. Like, yeah. excuse me, like, can we just speak normally? Yeah. That was a good show though. I actually realized that um, it's it's originally Japanese. Yeah. Captain yeah, Majid. Yeah. We grew up thinking yeah. it was local. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Wasn't there another one? Is it Lady Lady or Lady Lady? Yes. I don't know where yes, that was from yes. originally. There was a f- bunch of them. Sanchero. Yeah. Um, all of those. I think were all Asian yeah, cartoons right? that then were dubbed uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to to Arabic. Um, your background before getting into all of this was yeah. law. You touched on earlier how you, you had a, a job in, 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 in law in London. Yeah. <laughs> you look back at it fondly? Like, does that help you in, in yeah. today's uh, life? It, it does. Uh, but I think the reason that I chose to become a lawyer, it's probably the reason that many young people would choose to be lawyers, is that basically, you know, to uphold justice and that, you know, to like um, help people and, I mean, usually you're, a lot of young people are very ideal, idealistic when yeah. it comes to law. So I think I had that mindset. But then when I um, trained as a lawyer and I worked as a lawyer, I realized that it's not really that. And it's it's not kind of, it didn't fit the ideals that I had. And it was good <clears throat> while it lasted because I, I learned a lot from, you know, being a lawyer and how to be, you know, analytical. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I learned a lot, but it's not uh, how I define myself, yeah. you know. So, so I think with now with what I'm doing, it's probably closer, um, you know, that my 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 type of work and it's closer to what you know to um, to what my soul really is. Yeah, yeah. This is this is you. Yeah. yeah, this is this is more you. Exactly. I feel. Yeah. It's a like closer reflection of who I really am. Does it know? feel like work? What you do today? Um, it's it's starting to feel less and less like work. Like why is that? It, okay, so. Obviously, the, the part that feels like work is when you're trying to make it and you're trying to, you know, and, and of course, the finances and every company, you know, you have to understand the finances and there's like, uh, you know, all of that corporate stuff that you have to do. Um, so that part is difficult. And also when you're, um, you know, you're just hustling, basically. Yeah. Okay, that part definitely feels like work. <laughs> but then, like, for example, what we're doing now with the theater um, now the creative aspect is coming into it, so it feels more like a joy, yeah. and I'm just really, really enjoying it. And and that's why I really, really believe that uh, for you to be successful at anything, you need to have passion. Yeah. So if you're passionate about something, and that's what I love to tell my kids, you know, to always follow your dreams and follow your passion. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us are uh, are stuck doing something we're not happy with, mm-hmm. and 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 I mean, I, I I I tell this to myself that life is short. I mean, imagine hitting 60 or 70 and and regretting not doing something exactly there was a survey done a, a hundred i read this somewhere over 170 or 80 year olds were asked a question about what would they have done differently yeah and they all said i wish i went for x mm. be it this idea be it uh this woman or this guy who i always you know, love that I never pursued, yeah. uh, be this investment I, I should have, but I was too scared. And I, 
it's the pain of regret. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. And and I went on a bit of a tangent, but I'm tying that into people who are doing something that they are not passionate about, that are, yeah. they are slugging their their self their selves into the office, yeah. doing something they couldn't care less about. That's so true. Imagine if you took a risk in 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 getting uncomfortable and starting that business and in, in pursuing that idea. Yeah. You'd look back five years later and say, what yeah. the hell was I doing? Yeah. Where my life would have been if I didn't pursue that yeah. or if I didn't take that risk. Yeah, that's so true. I strongly believe in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I've tried both. I've tried yeah. like, you, yeah. you did, yeah. So, and, I, and I really feel a difference. Mm. Yeah. They work, you guys, crazy hours in law firms, don't they? Um, well, it depends on the law firm, really. Mm. So the, the, one, the law firm that I trained at, they were, they actually cared about work-life balance, so that was nice. And you know, like around six or seven, they you know you can you know it goes longer. I have my buddies in Dubai; they go till 10, 11 o'clock. Actually, yeah, it depends. Um, yeah, but but there are days like occasionally where I would stay till eleven. It depends if we have like a deadline or something. Yeah. But and there are other law firms that that just the, you know part of it like mm -hmm. daily, and you'd be there like you know till midnight, and it was just like. Uh, Part of their culture. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of reading, right? A lot of tedious, a lot contractual. Of yeah. A lot not to of, take you back to those yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, I learned a lot from it, yeah. but I don't think it's what I want to continue doing. You got to know what you don't want to do so you know what mm. you want to do. Yeah, exactly. For, exactly. Uh, yeah. Process of uh, elimination. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You did some work on on human rights commission. Yeah. Was it a project? Was it uh, uh, something that you spent a lot of time working on? What was that experience like? So after moving back to Saudi, um, I moved to, back to Riyadh actually for a couple of years. Um, I got a job offer at the Human Rights Commission in Riyadh. So I joined them as a legal consultant for a couple of years. And it was very different to the corporate world that I'm used to, like the corporate law. Mm. And But I must say it was also eye-opening. I learned a lot. And again, going back to like the reason I, you know, went into law in the first place, you know, like most young people with that, you know, the idealistic, you know, views of law and being a lawyer and upholding justice and all that. So I guess it kind of, um, I, I got to see some of that. And um, some parts, um, I mean, I was able to help some people, which is nice. Uh, so for example, um, at the time, things were different here in Saudi and, um, um, for example, some um, women may have not had, uh, like, no, some children may have not had birth certificates okay. at the time. So I was trying to find a process to help those women. Some of them, it's just that they didn't know how to obtain a birth certificate, you know? Here? Yeah. Saudi? Yes, in Saudi. Or like, for example, her husband wasn't there to sign off on the papers. Things like that, you know, technical stuff. But they just didn't know how to, you know, uh, follow through. And then the child would end up, you know, not going to school and all of that. So that was something I'm proud to say that I was able to help with at the time. Yes. You know, I found like help them like with the process and I, you know, uh, with different departments. So so there were small things like that that I was able to help with. And um, but I think and I also um, was part of the they had a committee against human trafficking. That was interesting. And uh, we, we worked with the U.S. at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I actually uh, we went on a trip with the U.S. State Department. I saw some very interesting and very sad stories. And I'm not talking just, you know, Saudi. I'm talking about things in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, about uh, human trafficking in general, whether it's like child labor or um, or even like child, um, like sex trafficking yeah. and all of that and adult as well. The, this, yeah. is, this is a, globe, a global issue. It's a huge. Yeah. Unfortunately, it pains me to say it's a huge industry. Yeah. Business. 
And it's a huge problem that many countries face. It's, it was really like heartbreaking. I mean, what I've seen, the things that I've seen in, uh, and um, yeah, and, and people don't realize how bad it is. And they don't realize how um, sometimes like, um, sometimes people can be like contributing to it without even knowing, yeah. you know? So, uh, so it was something, yeah, it was, an, it was eye-opening to me. Um, but I think I, I couldn't handle it for too long, though, I must say. So uh, No, no, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's tough on the soul. Yeah, it really is. Especially like sometimes when you feel like you're not doing enough to change, like to, you're not able to yeah. make enough changes or to yeah. help enough, then it's really hard. Yeah, you so, feel powerless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it was, it was a bit of a culture shock for me because, um, again, I was living in the UK and I studied there. You know, I studied uh, law in the UK. I worked mm-hmm. as a lawyer. Everything, I lived in Dubai for a bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> everything was like kind of fun and dandy. And then, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, yeah, everything was fun and dandy. And then I kind of, you know, I come and I get exposed to this, which is, like you said, a global f- problem everywhere in the world. But it was just a bit of a shock, you know? So, yeah. yeah. It's, um, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the mood has gone somber. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just uh, you know when you have kids, like you, you feel for families who had their kids taken away from them, and then yeah. they're they're like, I've seen too many of these movies where yeah. you know the kid goes missing, and and it's because of uh, trafficking, and, yeah. and like you put yourself in the shoes of the parent. Yeah, how do you even attempt to continue with your with your life. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, so I can't even finish the sentence, but this is a reality to some people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, like, I've, I've met some of the victims who were like oh, adults at the time. Yeah, but they were adults at the time. Okay. And they were explaining their stories, like how they got into it. A lot of them come from broken families or like, you know, they've run away from home. They trust in an adult mm. and then they, you know, get sucked into that world. So initially they think that they have control, but then they slowly, this, slowly the control is like pulled away from them. So it's really tough. And I met some amazing people actually. I just remembered there was this guy, uh, he basically dedicated his life to um, uh, helping children in the Philippines. There are certain islands of the Philippines where this is a huge issue. So he basically dedicated his life to basic, to, um, you know, get those children out of, you know, those trafficking rings that they're part of. And so I must say, like, I know there's, it's very sad, but there's also the, the um, there's another side to it where, you know, basically that there are good people in this world that really like, you know, that's him and others. They've yeah. They just dedicated their lives just to help others. So I think that's like admirable. And, uh, you know, that's the other side of the story, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Are we doing enough as uh, not a country like globally are, are, are countries doing enough? Is media doing enough to combat the issue of either uh, trafficking or, um, or or child labor or any of the things that you mentioned? Uh, I don't know. It's very difficult to say, to be honest. Yeah, it's very difficult to say. I mean, um, I guess technology helps nowadays. Yeah. Like, but I, yeah, I guess not enough is being done, of course. Um, but like I said, like what I've learned as well when I was uh, when I went on that trip is that the only way to tackle those problems is to work as teams so like you can't just have one department like you can't just have the police working on it for example you have to have the police and like the hospitals and charities and like you have to have like a whole um, community of people working on it that's the only way to tackle it and there has to be awareness so I guess no probably not enough is being done to Mm -hmm. be honest Mm -hmm. like yeah but um, yeah it's a shame no it's uh, it's a shame like I think media have responsibility yeah. To, to shed light on this yeah uh, to talk about things because I think it's under discussed 
Yeah, it it, for, for 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 the the rate of how frequently it happens. Yeah, uh, it's not uh, commensurate with how much it's being discussed or combated. Yeah, yeah. that that bothers me. Like yeah. <clears throat> media <clears throat> media talk about you know so much unnecessary BS half the time yeah. when when you know you can be using your platform and power to shed light on something a lot more serious. Yeah, yeah, but, especially like poorer countries. Yeah, you know, and again, like I said, like a lot of the. The victims are people that maybe not many people would notice, like someone, you know, from a broken family or, you know, um, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that bothers me about media and, and, and why I have a bone to pick with them is because I've, I've had a personal experience with them. So this newspaper reached out to me, said, we want to do an interview with you. And I said, yes, sure, no problem. They asked a bunch of questions and um, they said, great, it will, you know, be published in a few days. So I'm like, Perfect. Before it gets published, can I please see the draft? They said, nope. Mm. I said, what if you get something wrong? They said, no, we managed to capture the points perfectly. I was like, okay, you know, you guys are professionals. And um, three days later, the article came out and they had a very big point that was completely false that made people call me asking me questions <laughs> that they knew was incorrect, but because incorrect information was put out there by the media because they don't want to share it with you because it's about, I want to get you. Yeah. I want to sensationalize your topic. Yeah. And I was like, if that's how, if that's how they operate, it, you know, it, there's no wonder Joe Rogan seems to be more of a trusted source for news than yeah. CNN or yeah. Fox, for yeah. example, in yeah. the States. Yeah. Like if people want to find out you know what, what? What's really happening? They'll they'll listen to Rogan, and it's it's uncensored. You can say what you want. You're not pushing any narratives. Mm. You're you you catch my drift. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's I think the the beauty of decentralized media. Mm. That's where the world is is heading, and um, it's just more transparency there. Yeah, um, it's funny. I have a funny story. Um, <laughs> so basically, it's like on a lighter note, but. Uh, I remember I attended once, um, it was in London, and I think it was like Music Awards or something. And there was Michael Jackson at the time mm. and Rihanna, they were both performing. Oh, wow. And I remember very well that uh, Michael Jackson came on and he was singing, and then he left. When he left, people booed because they didn't want him to leave, they wanted him to come back, mm. okay? And then Rihanna came after, and she wasn't as popular as she is now at the time. She had she was just starting. Yeah. So when she came back, they kept booing because they wanted her off the stage because they wanted Michael Jackson to come back on. <laughs> and then the next day on the news, it was written they clearly, yeah. Michael Jackson was booed off the stage. Wow. I was in shock because I was there. Yeah. So yeah, I totally understand. You don't think they knew what happened? They did it on purpose. Yeah, of course probably. they did. Yeah. That sensationalizing, yeah. clickbait, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah. See. If you have a platform, it comes with mm. responsibility. Yeah. If you are a leader, it comes with responsibility. And they weren't responsible in in conveying the news of what yeah. happened there to those who weren't there. Yeah. You know, you they should be held accountable. Exactly. I don't think papers or you know media outlets are fined enough mm. for conveying incorrect news. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Like there needs to be a body that excuse me, you got that wrong, you know, hundred thousand dollars, you're yeah, fine. Yeah, I agree. Be a 100%. bit more careful next time you yeah. you know you're putting the news out there. Yeah, I agree. It's responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree hundred percent. Were you there? 
were in the, at the concert. concert? Yeah, yeah, I was. And that's why I was shocked because I was there. You I saw, saw what time. happened. Yeah. And then the next day I read the news and I was like, what? <laughs> and I kept going like different news channels and they all said the same yeah. thing. They just kept like, sometimes like you have like a, ma- a newspaper that would write something and the others just like, yeah, you know, yeah. like they quote them. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, I was, I was very surprised. You are uh, a big Michael Jackson fan. Huh? Yeah, I will. I mean, yeah, I am. And um, it just happened that uh, when I was a, you know, a child, my father used to work with them. They had worked together. So we met him when I was about 11. You met him? Yeah. So wow. we were like, we were close friends at one point. Amazing. And as, as a family, like our family was close yeah, to his yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like go over for tea? Yeah, we actually. I was kidding. <laughs> uh, did you read it? Like yeah. you guys had meals together? Yeah, yeah, we would. We'd have meals together. We'd, so basically the first time we met was in Disneyland Paris. And my father was there and, and my mom, my whole family. And then um, and he was married to Lisa Marie at the time, okay. Lisa Marie Presley. Yes. And then they um, and then um, he wanted to go to the park, you know, to Disneyland. And he couldn't because he's Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. So they so he told us that, OK, after midnight, they close the park for me. And basically he gets to go on all the rides and it's like his. Get out of here. Yeah. So we got invited and we were able to, like, you know, go with them on the rides. And it was like. Some of the best parts of my childhood. I was going to say, that's probably the best day of your life. <laughs> yeah, and I've had a few of those days. <laughs> we've, we've done it like probably yearly. We'd, every time we'd go to Paris in the summer, amazing. we'd go on the, you know, have the whole park for ourselves. And of course, like, you know, you don't go on the queue. Like you, you can go on the ride like four or five times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was, we had some nice experiences. And um, also as an adult, um, uh, we visited him in Beverly Hills, uh, actually the house where he passed away in. Neverland? Uh, no, the house he passed away in, in Los Angeles. That where, was where's, where's, Nev- where's this Neverland? Neverland is, I think it's not in LA. That's it's not it's in America. California, okay. but it's not in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. But uh, you know, we went to his, the, the last house that he was renting mm-hmm. um, and be, basically like six months before he passed away. Yeah. And uh, he was misunderstood, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I mean, I think he was, and he's had a very difficult childhood. So, and also, I think um, when you live in that uh, world, uh, it's very difficult even for him to like understand what others go through. And like, yeah. it's just very, you know, I mean, his reality is very difficult, uh, very different than other people's realities, yeah, yeah. you know? People can't put themselves in his shoes. Exactly. Because he's had a wild life, hasn't yeah. he? And he can't put himself in other people's shoes no. either. So no. it's kind of like two different realities. Yeah. And um, it was very interesting for me as a child and... And, and and he was a good friend and and his you know it was a, his story is a sad story I think, uh, but yeah. way too young I think he, I think I think he fifty, I remember that yeah, number think, yeah he was fifty when he when he passed away yeah. way way too young he had so much to offer yeah. um, and he had it even at that age he was performing yeah. uh, as as good as his younger years yeah like age didn't really catch up to him uh, even at the age of fifty I feel what makes you feel most alive today. Um, living my dreams, uh, following you? my passion. I think now I can finally say that I am. Um, it wasn't the case for a very long time. And I think that um, I'm finally doing the things that I've always loved to do. So also one thing, it, it's amazing, like the power of manifestation as well, because I've always wanted to write music for a musical and like in Broadway. And I actually tried, <laughs> I spoke to like a couple of directors here and there and it just never happened. And now I know our musical is not a Broadway musical, but it's a start. And I actually wrote a song for the musical. So, so the the first uh, song that is going to be sung by you know the main actor is a song that I've written from scratch. So, so yeah. So I think you know um, that really makes me happy. 
Amazing. Yeah. You uh, you lost your father uh, 10 years ago or so, 10, 12 years ago? Uh, 2007. 2007, wow, yeah. 15 years, yeah. time flies. Yeah, long time ago. 18 yeah. years for me, you losing, lost losing my father, yeah, it was 2004. Yeah. Mm, wow. Can you recall uh, like uh, a life lesson that uh, he, he, he gave you? Yeah. Something you recall? I mean, many, many, many life lessons, of course. Um, so, I mean, he's the one who pushed me to follow, um, you know, to follow my dreams and to uh, um, to never settle for less, like to always, you know, to work hard and work on myself. Um, but he also was a strong advocate of having a balanced life. So he was, you know, like I remember sometimes I'd stay at work late at the law firm and he'd call me and tell me, come back home now. Like, that's it. You know, you have to have a balanced life and because life is not just all about like one thing or the other. So um, so he gave me those lessons and um, also um, and, and in terms of having a balanced life. So he also encouraged me, for example, all of us had to learn accounting from a young age. Uh, he all of us had to learn a bit of psychology at a young age, you know, smart man, yeah, investments. Man. We all had to understand investments. Yeah. Uh, so so he was very like he was a well-rounded person. Sports. I had to daily. We all had to do have like 40 minutes a day of sports per day. Yeah. So again, going back to like having a well-rounded life. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. And now like the older I, I get, the more I I realize like, yeah, you know, he was why well, he said those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure, mm. I mean, accounting is something you can use. You know, you need to know through throughout your life. Investing, yeah. you know, really important skill to yeah, know. Exactly. Um, and 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 sports. You know, healthy body, healthy mind. Exactly. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah. Oh, and healthy food. He was also strong. And healthy food. Healthy food. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah it's uh, it's not easy. It's not easy losing a parent at a young age. Um, you kind of you 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 continue to deal with it as you grow. It's not like it's not like something just yeah. happens and that's it. It's over. Mm. No, no. In every stage of your life, you you know when you get married, you you think. You know when you have a kid, you think of him. Yeah. When you have a second kid, when you start a business, like it's just constantly. You know yeah. what would he think of me now exactly. if he saw me? What advice yeah. would he have? Would he be proud? What would he say? What? The, I'm just I'm like I'm just like rehearsing things that go in my mind yeah. throughout. Uh, that's so true training. like what what would he have done what would he have done? um like yeah how would he feel about this and that yeah. and honestly i i used to think that for the longest time but i guess just now i'm starting to and i think that happens with age you kind of start forming your own personality and your own thoughts yeah. and your own beliefs even though that always stays with you but i mean yeah but yeah. it takes time it does yeah it does mm -hmm. what's something we don't know about you i know before we let you go is there something uh that you can tell us about about you yeah. <laughs> um yeah i used to fly planes <laughs> single engine <laughs> <laughs> single engine um what prompted you to want to get into planes um i've always loved the idea of having my own plane and you know feeling free you know the freedom of having your own plane and oh, being able yeah. to go anywhere if anything's going to make you feel free exactly. it's going to be that yeah <laughs> exactly and actually the way the story happened i was in qatar for a business meeting and um, I had, uh, my flight was leaving that night, but then um, uh, they, they asked me to stay longer because the meeting, you know, um, you know, went over. Mm -hmm. So I was like, um, how am I going to get back? There are no flights. So there was a pilot there who said, you know, I'll drop you back. I was like, okay. And I thought it was like a jet, you know? So, so then when I get to the airport, it's a Cirrus SR-22, which is basically a low winged, um, you know, a single propeller um, airplane. The one on the nose? 
yeah, on the nose, and okay. the wings are low. You have to actually walk on the wings to uh, get into I the plane. I think I know this one. Okay. And yeah. I freaked out. I was like, "What?" Like, I was like, you know. And then the, to the point that the, the the pilot was like, "Okay, that's it. I'm not gonna take you. You can just, you know, leave tomorrow." Because I was panicking. And I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this." So I went in, and then I remember, like, as soon as we took off, I was like, you know, holding on. I was really scared. But then that was it. Like as soon as we were up in the sky, it was mm-hmm. it was night, and there was like a city light, and it was like magical, and I fell wow. in love. So ever since then, I was like, okay, I need to do this. So then, of course, I was you know young and single and no kids. <laughs> so I went to um, California and I started like taking lessons and wow. it's so nice. It's such a nice feeling. Any yeah. scary moments in in the hours that you've done flying? I mean, I've done a couple of solos that was scary just because you're on your own and on the air yeah. and you know you don't have a co-pilot next to you. Uh, but scary, scary. Um, no, thankfully, I haven't had any of those. I know people who have and people that I know who have had, but I haven't. Um, I mean, just the regular turbulence and all that stuff. This is really yeah. courageous to get on a plane alone and, and fly. It's yeah, like this, it's like next level. The solo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, any, I, I, I can't, I mean, when I, I've been on a propeller plane. Yeah. And I, it'll probably be the last time I go on a propeller plane just because <laughs> it's just the moment you take off, you really pull up, like he pulled up real high. Uh, it was like an aggressive pull. Yeah. And um, and there wasn't a bathroom in it. And it's like, it's a long story, but, yeah. <laughs> but at, least I had, at least I had that experience, experience, I feel. You yeah. know what the weird thing is? I actually felt safer in a propeller plane than a regular plane. Why? Even though like statistically speaking, of course, jets are safer. But because I had, I was in control. I was in the, you know, I okay. knew what was happening. I could yeah. see everything in front of me. So, uh, yeah. And honestly, now after having children, I don't think I'd be as courageous as I was then, you know, because <laughs> you think about them. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You think about them. That's yeah. a, it's an interesting point, being in control, because the worst thing is being on a commercial jet and there's turbulence and you can't even see in front of you. Yeah, exactly. That gets me. Exactly. Yeah. Although so. like the, the like the, the bulk of my fear of flying no longer exists. Ah, uh, that's um, good. But there's still something there um, that I just, when the turbulence hits, like yeah. I, I feel it. Just feel not it. knowing. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Is there anything uh, before we wrap up? Is there anything about your life that you would change if you were to do it all over again? Um, honestly, no, uh, nothing. Thankfully, I just think that um, every person's life like makes you who you are. Like at least my life did. So all the experiences I've had, um, um, I've and I like I've had many different experiences. And I think that um, it kind of got me to where I am today. Mm. So definitely, you know, I wouldn't change anything. Thank God. <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, I don't, I don't think I have any regrets either, um, because I feel like uh, I was very fortunate that I was able to live life the way I wanted to live it. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like there's more to live and there's more to do. And um, yeah, so well, we're 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 young. There's uh, there's yeah. a lot left in store. <laughs> Amazing. Well, uh, I, I mean, Yani, just looking back on my on my notes, um, you've done you've done so much. You've tapped into something that was non-existent over here. Uh, I think in the four or five years you've been on YouTube, mashallah, the traction has been there. You're saying organically, the future looks bright for what you do. Yeah, inshallah. There are many moms out there that really, I'm sure, appreciate the work that you do in providing content that uh, you know we were always looking for. Yeah. For, for any, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I've got my son on it already. By oh, the way. really? Yeah, he's bouncing his head to it. <laughs> no, that's good. You know, I'm I'm not like the biggest um, YouTube fan. Like, as soon as my kids get older, I realize like there are there are, there are a lot of pros, but also a lot of cons. Of course. So we're hoping hoping to get on Netflix 
I just feel like there's a bit more control there. Yeah. And also we have our music on um, iTunes already, like Spotify. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, for parents who don't want their kids to watch. Yes. And uh, time, yeah. yeah. And then again, hopefully like with the, the theater that we're doing, you know, hopefully, you know, this will be the first of many, inshallah. Mm-hmm. So again, any just to give that, you know. Yeah. Excellent. Back. At the end of this episode, I want to play like uh, a segment from uh, one of your YouTube clips so people get an idea of what it is. Okay. We'll put a bunch of links in the description box. Taib, once again, I know thanks for uh, for making time coming here. Uh, we will definitely uh, be watching uh, a lot more of the content that you do put out there. And, um, and yeah, thanks for sharing your story. Thank really, you. really. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Yes, Thank you. my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, Mo. It was cool, huh? Yeah, it was fun.